This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I mean, dude, you can have some epic fishing. I mean, that trip to Alaska was as epic as anything I've ever done hunting-wise. I mean, you're, you're, uh, we had to fly on a float plane an hour north of Ketchikan. There's no roads. We had bears coming into the resort um you know we're fishing next to freaking whales there's Ameri- uh, like or bald eagles like flying over your head carrying off fish i'm like this is incre- incredible <laughs> uh, these guys do this every day of their lives you know that is cool it's awesome yeah. oh you got her dude she's down let's go dude i just shot a deer of a lifetime freaking smoked him one with nature and if you're a believer one with god definitely gets your heart pumping boy you are in trouble all obsession podcast hey what's up guys welcome to another fall obsession podcast today i will be your host nick powell and today we are joined by a very special guest uh mr brad luttrell brad thanks for joining us Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to get to talk to you a little bit today. Yeah, absolutely. And also joining us today is our very own Drew Tordick. Drew, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Nick? It's going good. Glad to have you guys on today uh, to talk about a pretty hot topic, I would say, uh, in the hunting industry right now. So, uh, Drew, without further ado, I'll just uh, turn it over to you and let you kind of lead the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so... I guess we can just start off by talking about some of the things that a lot of hunting and outdoor companies have been experiencing. And that's really sort of the censorship um, on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, I know a bunch of famous channels have been going pretty public about some of the issues that they've been facing as far as some of the censorship and getting some of their videos pulled down. Um, Brad, I know that's something that you are really on a mission to try and not only just talk about and bring forth, but also you have a really good solution for that as well. Um, So I guess maybe you want to give an introduction on yourself a little bit and talk about your organization. 
Yeah. So I'm Brad Luttrell. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Go Wild. We started this platform in a basement over pizza with some dudes and my dog in 2016. And back then, you know, we could really see a lot of this was coming in, in that the, you know, platforms like Facebook were allowing a lot of harassment of hunters and um, really predicted that that's the way if they were allowing the harassment to happen, eventually the business policies would catch up because you're kind of making a statement by not stopping something, right? Like that was a, uh, it was, it was clear to us that this was likely the direction it was going to keep going. You know, fast forward four or five years, I think we all can see where, where this has landed. It's very much been a, a business decision that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, they don't want to work with the hunting, shoot, shooting and fishing sports. Right. Um, and, and so we started building a product and, you know, over the years, it's led to my full-time job. I quit my job uh, at an ad agency. I was a creative director, which um, it was not as sexy as it sounds. It's, it's not like a mad men per se. Parts of it are, but I mean, like, you know, I had a good job and really believed in what we were doing, was passionate about what we were getting to do. And slowly, you know, one by one, me and the other co-founders started quitting. And by the end of 2018, all four of us had gone full-time to build this platform and a lot's happened in between from when we launched this and we've learned a lot. And it's, it's funny because where we are now, we're still a social platform, but it's very different. I think anybody that's been on the platform since we were in beta in 2017 would say it's different. Uh, but you know, today I would, I would say that, you know, go out is a free social community helping outdoor enthusiasts improve their skills. You can discover gear, you can earn rewards. We have this cool shopping feature. So you can like, as you post and get content, you get rewarded for it instead of having it censored. Like it's literally the antithesis of what's happening on other platforms. And, and so, you know, we feel like we have a really good platform for outdoorsmen and women, but at the same time, I also feel like we are probably the most educated, one of the most educated companies in what is actually happening in that we were spending a lot of money on Facebook. We're not now I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but we were spending a lot of money because that's where our audience was, right? Like if you don't know that there's alternatives or a place where you can have these much more in the weeds conversations around hunting, trapping and fishing or whatever it is, you know, you, you just don't know. And so we were spending a lot of money to get people over. Um, we have, I've been, uh, personally I've had death threats on Instagram <laughs> and, uh, you know, Facebook, we've had, uh, similar activity, not as bad as Instagram. We've had content deleted from TikTok from our brand. Um, the, the big hammer came twice this year with Facebook, um, blocking our ad accounts. So for a picture of the, the last one before we pulled the plug, was a picture of somebody holding binoculars with camo on and we were trying to you know we sell stuff that's like a part of how we monetize the business and stay alive and you know they they flagged us for uh violent content because the guy had camo on so um you know we went round and round on this but uh we finally pulled the plug on it and and the the it wasn't just like we're done here what we started to see was, you know, there, there's a whole year and I'll, I'll kind of list off some of the stuff that's happened this year. I think people live in short term and forget, but the, there's a whole year of things that have happened in social media that it kind of built up to this. The, the literally the tipping point, though, and, and people can say whatever they want about mainstream media. They, I know people are very distrustful of journalists. and A lot of it's rightfully so. But the Wall Street Journal has done a phenomenal job of documenting how messed up Facebook is. Right. Like this, the, the Facebook files has uncovered some insane stuff like if i made it up five years ago people would be like dude you are high right like you're uh, you're on something 
but but they have been tied to drug cartel recruitment. They've been tied to human trafficking. They've been tied to 32% of our teen girls having body image issues because of Instagram. They've been directly linked to 6% of all teen suicides being attributed to something that happened on Instagram. Uh, this list goes on and on. It's like 360 million people have uh, mental health issues because of, of Facebook. You know, this, literally this has been like hammer after hammer dropped. And at some point, and I think it was honestly like, I've got two girls. And so I'm, that's a hot button issue for me. Uh, I, I joke now, I'm not really joking, but like, I'm like, they won't have an Instagram or Facebook account until they're 37, mostly because I'll probably be too senile at that point to really stop them. Uh, but, but you know, the, uh, that one really caught my attention of like the, the head of Instagram, Adam Mazzari said, uh, he said, well, when you look at the data, it's actually quite small. And I'm like, dude, that's 32% of our teen girls that you're saying is quite small and you don't care about them. And so all this is compounding. And so we finally, we said, we're going to, we're going to pull out. We pulled all of our budget from Facebook, which doesn't mean anything to Facebook. We're talking about a company that does, uh, I think it's like 15 to eight, 20 billion a quarter. You know, <laughs> we're talking about one of the most valuable companies in the world, but, uh, the, the, we've, we've stepped away. So that kind of, you ask who we are, what we're doing and why we're involved in this, we've made a stand to step away from it. And I could have fought, you know, the, the ad thing, we would have eventually won and we would have made money on it again. We were making a really good return on a lot of our Facebook ads because Facebook, it can be a really powerful platform to advertise. We made a moral stand to say we're done here. Uh, we don't want anything to do with this platform. So we're not spending on Facebook or Instagram anymore. But when I look back, I kind of mentioned I was going to call out some examples. Um, you know, Facebook back in January, you know, we all know what happened in January. It's kind of an insane time period in the United States uh, with, with the Capitol riot, though. Um, Facebook, as a result of that, went through and, and deleted about what they said was 200 Facebook groups. They said that they were dangerous ones, but really like I, I personally knew multiple people who had their like, I don't remember all the names uh, that we've talked to. I think like Tennessee bow hunters. It's like, what? They had a group of like 90,000 people. I think these guys had that was deleted. Multiple other hunting groups had a couple hundred thousand people and their pages were deleted. YouTube just recently, uh, you know, they demonetized um, Seek One and some of these other guys for, for, uh, violating the rule that you can you can no longer monetize content that uh, really just shows how to ethically source wild game. So processing a deer is now offensive to YouTube. Um, Instagram and Facebook have been rapidly over the last 12 to 18 months. They've really accelerated the the rejection of of uh, ad content, um, which is you know we're in this modern era of sales, and especially after last year, like ecom growth. Uh, went online heavily, heavily, heavily during the pandemic. So that's a big hit. Um, TikTok's artificial intelligence is scanning your content for weapons. I posted a shotgun. I was experimenting with TikTok. Um, I, I kind of hate that platform, but also like it's, it is funny. Like there's some funny stuff. I, there's an entertainment aspect to it. Um, but I was experimenting with it and I posted a video I made from a bachelor party with me holding a shotgun and it got deleted within two minutes, which is not humans. That's like artificial intelligence, right? That, that kind of speed across the billions of hours that are uploaded to TikTok uh, was deleted. Instagram's got their famous scarlet letter of censorship. Um, one interesting one for me, a lot of people are like, well, you keep saying fishing, but nothing's happening in the fishing. Au contraire. Uh, I, I have a friend who runs a big Facebook group and I think they got 20,000 saltwater anglers in this, this page. They're having 
photos deleted because the fish are dead. I don't know about you guys, but like, it's always been recommended to me to kill the fish before you eat it. Uh, so, so like right. there's all this crazy stuff going on, man. Like it's we're, we're and and hunters. Here's what like, and we can talk about this. I'll, I'll shut up here. I've, Cause I've been talking for a couple minutes to kick this off. Cause I get excited about this stuff. But the, um, the thing is hunters keep saying things. Like I keep hearing people say things like, Oh, but it's a private company. They can do what they want. And it's like, we keep justifying getting punched in the chin and, and why we're just going to tolerate all this stuff. And we don't think through, like when you think I just listed off, I don't know, what was that? Eight different things that have happened in, in the last year. That's, I mean, we can go further and further into this stuff. It's like, we're not, there's not going to be this grand um, announcement that hunting and fishing is no longer welcomed on these platforms. We're dying right now. We're dying the death of a thousand cuts and nobody's looking around to do anything about it, you know? So that's, we've kind of a, just made this our fight. I mean, we're a social media company. I think we're, um, we, you know, yes, you could say that Brad, you have a lot to win here by people saying I'm done and walking away, but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, how long do you want to be tied to, uh, human trafficking and the endangerment of our children? <laughs> it's like, this is not a hard, you know, it's not hard for me. I've deleted my, I deleted my Facebook three years ago. I deleted my Instagram just recently with the, the recent, all the stuff that was coming out about the, the girls. Um, you know, so that's, that's like in a nutshell where we are as a company and, and my current disgust with Silicon Valley. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that frustration. It's something that I know we've dealt with as an organization, um, just dealing with ads getting blocked and dealing with content getting pulled back. And, you know, even to the point where the algorithms now are not pr promoting the content unless you pay for the advertising, especially for yeah. related content. Yeah, and, and that started coming out years ago, but now too, um, there's definitely some throttling going on just purely on language. I mean, my LinkedIn account, I have a really good active community on my LinkedIn account. And I've learned if I want to talk about firearms, I have to misspell it. Literally, I can't say firearms or I'll get throttled. Yeah, I, yeah. I posted today. It's got um, a couple hundred comments on or a couple hundred likes, uh, maybe 100 comments on it so far in the first few hours here. And I misspelled firearms. I guarantee you if I'd spelled it correctly, I would have gotten like a few hundred views on that post. Right. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, I follow you on LinkedIn. Connect with yeah. you. It's it's interesting to see some of the stuff that, you know, when we talk about firearms or actually mention hunting specifically word for word in, in some of those those pieces that we're putting out that it definitely gets that restriction, that throttling that you're talking about. Yeah, and people don't think about the power behind that, man. But I mean, let's talk about YouTube for a second. YouTube's the second largest search engine in the world, and it's owned by the number one search engine in the world, Google. Right. But but YouTube does more search volume than all other search engines combined. Think about this. YouTube, as you import your video, is transcribing your audio. If you guys post this on, on YouTube, they're going to hear everything that we're saying. It gets transcribed automatically through machine learning and AI and all, all that stuff. Um, and then a data scientist has programmed it to comb through what we talk about to do a sentiment analysis and decide if this is something they want to have on their platform. We used to post my old podcast, which is now Sunset, Restless Native. We did an experiment for about six months of putting that show on YouTube, but we talked about everything under the sun. I mean, if we want to talk about the pandemic and Fauci and whatever, we would talk about it, right? And when when that when that show would hit, our channel would get throttled, the, the show would get throttled. I mean, our normal videos were doing like thousands of views on them, 
And then my restless native episodes would get 50 views on it because we talked about the pandemic. YouTube will scan your content. And if you even say the words pandemic, coronavirus or anything like that, it's going to not allow you to advertise because they are transcribing your, your audio and what you talked about in your video. And they alone have the ability to say what's morally right. So then there's been all kinds of instances over the last year. And I won't turn this into a political uh, podcast, but there's been instances that have come out of things that were true that they were throttling because they didn't want people to talk about. And then it came out and it's like, well, okay, we won't throttle that anymore. But I mean, in real time, they were, you know, limiting discussion. So you think about like how our nation now consumes media. YouTube's more powerful than any TV station, any podcast. And, and you look at like, they alone have the ability to decide what we can talk about. It's crazy, dude. I mean, it is like, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me awake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that I know we have spent a lot of time discussing behind the scenes over here and it's something because you have to discuss it by the, behind the scenes i'm sorry this show's never going to get any reach on youtube now that i've blown blown the water out of how it it's like yeah, we just oh, killed all hopes right <laughs> right no but i mean that's that's just it is you know connecting with industry professionals and linking up and sort of just it, it can't be any one of us alone that's going to solve this it's got to be the whole industry and not just the industry but hunters out there in general that have to stand up and say this is the content that I want and I want to be able to you know I want to be able to find out how to butcher my deer on YouTube I want to be able to to learn how to take this deer that I've shot in the field and turn it into food for my family well and also the industry needs to really give itself a pat on the back and realize how much weight we carry you know this is an industry hunt fish that creates $156 billion of economic output. Now, I don't know what it is post COVID. It's going to be more because hunting grew 15% last year. Fishing grew 30 or 40%. I can't remember what it was. Um, but the, the spend in our industry is crazy. And, and we don't think about like the true buying power we have. Yeah. Half of us are blocked in the hunting industry anyways, from spending money, but still the same. If we went somewhere else, our audience will follow. And, and that like at some point does matter. You know, I think there's a lot of like, what can I do with my brand and our media budget? So one thing that we did, um, you know, we pulled what, again, what to me is a big budget. It's not like Facebook doesn't even notice that we left. Uh, but, but, you know, we're taking that, those media dollars to brands and media partners next year who are so in support of the, the lifestyle. And I really feel like the, the, the industry itself needs to realize when we advertise and it, I, you know, it took me a while to wake up to this as we advertise on these platforms, we're literally funding the fight against ourselves. Every time we have viral posts go uh, out on Facebook that, you know, they make like what, almost $12 a CPM. So you can do them. You can do, it's not exactly the same, but you can pretty much do the math on like, how many thousands of impressions did your post get? Congrats. You just made that much money for that platform. It's, it's pretty close to being that simple. So, um, you know, for, for people that like to speak out on Facebook against Facebook, you didn't do a damn thing. Like you didn't do anything to affect change. And, you know, so I really encourage brands that are trying to figure this out to, to look at other companies, you know, Waypoint, uh, founded by Builder Brock, got an awesome network of podcasts and shows that he's trying to get out there. Go talk to Builder, you know, go talk to him about how you can um, work with him to get the word out about your brand. Go talk to these other up, up and coming companies about how to Dan Johnson with the nine. Uh, you guys may know Dan from the nine finger Chronicles. He's building the sportsman's nation network. Go spend money with these guys. They've got incredible reach. Um, you know, these guys are reaching millions of people 
and and w- marketers have just gotten so uh, stuck on sucking on the the teat of power from Facebook because it's easy leads that when we do get cut off there there's going to be companies man that um, when when that does happen and we're starting to see a little bit of it I can talk a little bit about the, uh, some of that in a second but like when that hard shutoff does happen I think you're going to see some brands that just don't know how to survive without those easy easy clicks from Facebook so you know as a marketer it'd be smart to start prepping for what could be coming and and it's really at the eth- if the ethos of your brand is to further the hunting and shooting and fishing sports like you should be supporting people that support you back anyways yeah exactly so i guess one thing that i keep thinking about is so there's all these challenges with the current social media environment the search algorithms the the whatever is holding all of these organizations back what options are there i know you've mentioned some some other platforms but I mean, what, what are you guys doing over at Go Wild to offer that opportunity to people that, you know, traditional social media isn't? I know you've mentioned sort of that, that bonus refer, that bonus program. And I know, I mean, I'm a member, so I understand how sort of you earn some of that credit. But w- what are you guys doing as an organization that's really just focused on supporting that, stepping in where traditional social media hasn't? Yeah. So is the question, if I were to word that back to make sure I give you the right answer, um, is it kind of, uh, you know, what, what are you guys offering as an alternative? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Let me reword that. So I guess my real question is, I know you guys are offering an alternative, but what are you guys doing as a brand that is sort of counter to what traditional social media, what makes you unique kind of thing. Um, so, so we, I, I hate, hate, hate being called Facebook for the outdoors because we're not that. If anything, we're more like Reddit for the outdoors. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Reddit, but it's like a forum-based social app. So when you onboard to go out, you can do it a whole thing in like 90 seconds. It's very quick. Um, you're going to pick some topics around what you like. And the the process is identifying what you like to do outside. So like we have a whole forum for trapping. And if you want to learn about trapping, we've got – I, I have yet to be proven wrong. I've said this on like a dozen podcasts. I think it, I think it's probably true. Um, I think we have the most active community of trappers in the world. And so you can come in and you can ask questions and you can ask people about what they're running and connect with them. And you can connect with local trappers. We have this near me functionality that pulls you right to everybody near you around that topic. Go wild does not require or really care about your followers. Your followers are important in that you build relationships with people, but we, we call them buddies. Um, it's, but it's not, it's not as important to connect for engagement the, we, we really think of the platform as we're going to help connect you to people who are in your area and around things that you like to do. And then from there, it's up to you to decide who you want to follow and, and, and engage with on that, like that typical follower, um, uh, uh, perspective. You could use our app though and have no followers or follow no one. Like that is not a requirement at all. And if you look at our profiles, they actually are designed to not put emphasis on that. I mean, we started off that way because that's what everybody does. But the more we we've really realized what we do well, it's get people engagement around the things and the questions that they have. So on the platform as a member, you can you can post and you can ask a question. So if I post that question into trapping, go wild. Um, our you know, just for simplicity's sake, I'll, I'll, my team would kick me for saying this, but the algorithm, you know, people always like to call algor- talk about algorithms. I think most of us, probably me included, don't know what that really means. 
Um, but, but I'm not a data scientist, by the way, my co-founder is, I'm like the, the sales and marketing creative guy. Um, the, the algorithm though, will will then say, uh, Drew's trying to find help with trapping. I think these people might be able to help him. So it'll tell them like Drew has a question for the community about trapping and, and they'll get a, a notification in, in their, their tray, uh, to try to help. It's awesome. Like I I've used this before, um, last year when I was, I was looking at buying a new hunting rifle and I, I did the age old, like what hunting caliber do you guys prefer for whitetail? And I had a crazy amount of engagement on that post. And, um, you know, there, there's things like that that make us different from an engagement perspective. We have this cool trophy functionality, uh, that, that I think it's like, it's 250 species or something you can log and we're always adding to it. Um, but, but you can log and it takes all your information down and then assigns a rough score. This is not meant to be a Boone and Crockett. It's kind of for fun, but it also like it goes on your profile. I'll talk about your profile score in a minute, but you can tag the gear you're using. And now as you're tagging gear, all that content lives on that gear. Again, we'll talk about gear in a second. So one of my favorite things that we do, um, you know, I shot a spike buck on accident this year, horrible story. I can tell you guys later if we want to like mock me for a good 20 minutes, um, but what's funny is it went out to um, all of my followers. They get a push notification that says, Brad just logged a trophy. And dude, I had like 70 comments on this little spike within 24 hours of people like, hey, good work, or hey, I've done that too, or meet in the freezer. But, you know, the normal Joe Schmo who has 300 followers on Instagram posts his deer is not going to get engagement around his deer. Nobody cares, right? It's like, it's like you're. Phyllis who works in HR follows you, your aunt Susie and some guy that you went to high school with who, you know, has been in to jail nine times. It's like nobody relevant to you anymore. A lot of times on your following, right? It's like, and then you're only going to reach, as you said, a percentage of, of those people. Our platform though does a really good job of getting your content in front of the right people. So all of this engagement is giving you points. Um, you know, if you leave gear reviews, it gets you points. If you invite your friends through your share link, like mine is mygowild.com slash Brad. If I send that to my friends and they download, the app knows they came from me and then I get points. All that's going into your profile. So you can see that profile score. And that's kind of indicative of a couple things. So A, it tells you, it's kind of like a Reddit karma score. It tells you how long somebody's been around and if they're legit. Like if they've got a five figure score, they've been participating in the platform a lot. If, if they have no score and they're trying to sell you ammo, you might not want to listen to that person, right? It's like, it's like that might be somebody new and just trying to hack your money, which we don't have that problem on. I'm just giving that as an example. But then uh, as you get those points, you can unlock rewards. And this is where it gets really fun. And this has been the most popular thing we've ever launched since September. Or it, we launched this in September. You unlock T-shirts, free stickers. Uh, you, you can win a free knife from Gerber at some point. Uh, you get these really steep discounts, you know, uh, about 6,000 people recently just unlocked, um, 25% off vortex, anything, anything on vortex products. Um, so, so there's all these, like, that's a big discount if you're buying $500 binoculars, right? Like there are some really sweet things in there. You can win, um, a hundred dollars for captain experiences, which is like the Airbnb of fishing guides. And you can literally get a hundred dollars to spend with those guys towards whatever. So, uh, it could be a, a $300 bass fishing trip or, you know, a $800 redfish trip. So, so the, from the rewards perspective, like bar none, no one does what we do. You know, the social content, if you buy through us, every dollar you get gets you more points. Um, we're about to start doing some like two X point weekend type stuff. Um, so all of the things I just described 
you'll notice I didn't really say anything about like, you can post and your friends see it. Like that's what other social media does. Yeah. Right. We'll do that too. Your friends will see your content, but we, the, the trophies, the rewards, you know, the ability to see the gear, which I didn't even mention, um, you know, as you look at gear and you're shopping, you can see all that social content that is being tagged to it. So if you look up like a Vortex Ranger and Go Wild, you can see the people that are using it. You can dialogue with them. We have our own review system. It's really cool, man. And and you're talking to the guy who's our best customer on Go Wild. Um, unfortunately, my wife, my wife probably uh, wishes I would stop spending so much money on our platform. But like, it is a really cool experience to, as you shop for gear, you can see who's using it and whatnot. So um yeah, man, that's, that's the rundown of like, what's different. I mean, I can go on, there's other functionality that's a little less, less like less cornerstone, but in, in a nutshell, that's what we do. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is that your platform promotes people for sharing that hunting content, right? Whereas Facebook's actually going to throttle you, limit your, your reach. And potentially for some people who include firearms in the pictures, it's even going to put them in that 30 day probation period or even lock their account. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting to see somebody really standing up for hunting and doing what they can to really promote hunting and a social platform as far as being the opposite to the other alternatives. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing started, man, because I really sucked at whitetail hunting. And if you listen to, we just launched this new show called Uncensored and um, you can find it on wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Uncensored by Go Wild is the name of it. And I tell the whole story of this book. It's a 30 minute story. Um, but like, I still kind of suck at hunting sometimes as we all do. We all have like these moments of great failure, right? Uh, the, the short story of that is that I hunted seven or eight days this season I had a 10 point I was targeting. I saw him multiple times, including twice within 24 hours. Um, and I screwed it up and I ended up with a spike. I, I saw him on opening morning and I didn't shoot him because I thought he was a different deer. By the time I realized he was the 10 point I was targeting, he was into, uh, I, I did not have a backdrop on him. He was, my bullet would have, if I missed or if I had a pass through, it would have gone into the neighbor's property. So I watched him walk away and 10 minutes later, I heard a shot. I'm pretty sure he got shot. And, um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I really kind of suck at hunting. <laughs> so I started this in 2016 because I had been trying to hunt for years. I'd gotten a few deer, um, but I was hunting with a guy who was good at hunting and that's different than being good at hunting. And so I was trying to learn for myself and learning online was really hard. Now, five years later, it's a little different with like the hunting public. And there's some guys on YouTube, that are doing some really cool stuff. Um, a lot of that content wasn't there or I wasn't finding it back then. And I really just like, even then you can't, the hunting public's so big, you can't go in and ask Zach questions personally. Like it may be every now and then they'll do that, but like those guys get so much attention. They can't go through and do a Q and a on YouTube. Right. Um, I, I know them and I know they, we, we work with them. I know they would like to do that, but, but it's like hard for them. They like our platform because if you have a question, you can go and ask that and, it doesn't have to be them to answer it. They're like, I've got, well, he's actually become a really good friend of mine and I always use him in this reference, but I've got, I'm buddies with a guy named Mike Larson, who's a police officer in Michigan. He's been a police officer for 30 some years, firearms instructor, been outdoors his whole life. He's got probably 40 years of experience hunting and fishing. He's the most knowledgeable guy I know in the woods. And, and he's not some big influencer or anything. Uh, now he is on our platform. Like he he's often tagged. People know him. Uh, because he's kind of built this reputation up and go wild, but you know, you don't need the hunting public to answer that, that, uh, if you're trying to figure out do bucks move in the rain or when it's windy, 
you can ask somebody on go wild you can just post that and go wild flag it as a question post it in deer hunting and i bet you'll have seven answers by the time you wake up the next morning and you need to figure out where to sit yeah it's it's a great community i know i have some experience with it and just the feedback there and the way that the community interacts is it's a lot different than some of the other platforms it's, it is people ask me they're like what did you guys do to make people so nice and i'm like i dude i have no idea i have no idea i we keep waiting on the jerks to show up i'm always afraid i've been afraid for four years and they never have so uh i i really feel like if you just get outside of the facebook and instagram bubble if you take down the the thought that like every time i post i'm gonna get attacked by vegans or animal rights activists or whatever it is like if once your account gets big enough that stuff does happen or I'm going to get censored or whatever it is, or, or I can't be too real about this. Cause I'm afraid, uh, you know, if you work at a big corporation, um, I've, I've talked to people like that, that are afraid to post that they hunt, you know, um, there's all these fears that, that happen. And I think once you get that away, it's like deer camp, man. Nobody, I mean, nobody comes back from deer camp and they're like, dude, Ronnie was a dick. You know, it's like, everybody is friends, right? You know, the um deer camp you you're celebrating what you love together and everybody's trying to help the next guy get a buck and um you know maybe a guy shoots a spike like a like an idiot on accident and you laugh at him a little bit and that's okay right uh but that's what we have as a community yeah yeah no i think that's a great way of putting it it's it's like deer camp there's a lot of positivity and yeah it's a great great environment great community the, the fishing analogy is um we often joke that it's like a fly shop, you know, some fly shops. Now they serve beer. You come in, you hang out, you, you talk with your buddies, you hear some good stories and you probably leave with buying something because go wild does, you know, we want you to buy some stuff that helps support us. And we donate 1% of our proceeds to raise them outdoors, which is a nonprofit that teaches kids to hunt fish and shoot. Um, so, uh, I don't hide behind the fact that I hope you buy stuff through us, you know, it's going to a good cause. Um, but yeah, like that's the other fun analogy is like, it's like a tackle shop. You know, a lot of guys love going into bait shops and hanging out. So it's, if you, if you're a fishing guy, that's kind of, you know, a better analogy for you. Nick, you got any questions? Uh, not really any questions, but I was just going to comment that, uh, I think it's, it's very, it's awesome how you've created such a positive environment because I feel like Facebook, Instagram, I think you said it perfectly those platforms just i mean there's so many people on there that you're going to get attacked by somebody yeah and so even yeah. though you might not be as big like but you're 10 times more positive and you're going to be able to learn stuff you're going to be able to uh relate to negative or positive scenarios so i think um that's just an incredible thing that you're doing that you guys are doing over over at go wild appreciate it man and, and it's not just like some people will say like I post all the time and I never get taken down. It's like, well, yeah, if your your reach isn't significant, I don't mean to pick on people about this, but it's like you're probably not going to happen. When I had an Instagram account, I didn't really have stuff taken down because I had 1,600 followers. Right? It's not like I had a huge following. The the it's less about that's an important part of it at some level, um, and I talk about it a lot. For me though, as for your average guy or gal who's trying to get better who's trying to connect with other people around like what they what they like to do it's just a better place to do that man like wouldn't you rather be around people who also like this instead of posting and it's just like a ghost town nobody nobody says anything or you're not getting really in, any engagement that's what it's like for most people who have 200 300 followers which is pretty much i think it's like the average the average is like 150 or something you know there is a better way there is a better place where you can come and post and 
dude, if, if you have a place that will celebrate more spike bucks and does than go wild, let me know. Cause I haven't seen it. I mean, people <laughs> post trophies, people post does as trophies. They'll post a forky as a trophy and they'll say, I'm proud of it. And, and you'll see very few people saying it's not the biggest buck, but like people, people are just happy, man. Like if, it, if a dude went out and shot his first deer on public and it's a spike, our audience will celebrate you and, and they'll, they'll, they understand what it's like. I mean, honestly, like I was embarrassed that I shot this freaking spike this year and I posted it and I, I was frustrated. I was frustrated in my caption. I'm frustrated in that podcast. If you watch it, um, I'm embarrassed as a hunter and people are like, dude, I've done it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people on go out that have DM'd me or commented on that or, or I've talked to, uh, through who I know through go wild and like, dude, I've done it. Like it, it made me feel better because of our community, you know? So, um, I posted that on LinkedIn and I didn't have flooding of people saying like, Hey, I've also shot a spike buck and thought it was a doe. Like, it's just something that's unique to, to go wild. You know, it's a really, it's a, it, I hate saying family cause it sounds culty and I'm not saying I'm trying to build a cult, but it, it's like a family, man. I like really care about some of these people that I've never even met, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, with the censorship and those bigger platforms, you're eventually over time, you're going to have people who are afraid to post and are afraid to say that they're happy for somebody who killed a forky because the people who aren't getting censored are allowed to say whatever they want. And you have that, you just have a certain person who can say whatever they want and Facebook, Instagram, they're not going to do anything about it. And so these people, Man, it's nice that these people who are afraid to say something have somewhere to go. Here, here's the thing. And, and um, yeah, I'm a capitalist, right? Like I'm trying to build something that, that makes money. Um, a lot of this content, people don't think about what drives these influencers to create content. And it is money. They have to be able to pay rent. They have to pay bills just like the rest of us. And a lot of them may get away with doing that on the side. But, um, at the end of the day, to put the level of effort into creating really good content, it takes a lot of time and it takes money. It takes money to travel around like Aaron and these guys do with, with the hunting public. Um, they have to have support to be able to do that. So if, if they imagine a scenario where, um, you know, it may not seem like a big deal, but what would it look like? fast forward five years, if these guys do start getting throttled, they don't get the reach, the brands aren't as engaged with them anymore. So they just, they stop making content. And I don't mean to say that about THB in particular. I'm saying that about influencers in general, the, these content creators we've all love it, their podcasts don't get the reach anymore. Maybe that happens. Maybe Apple starts throttling them. Those kind of things you put your head on where that could be. If that YouTube scenario gets pulled throughout everything, if, if that starts to happen, they, they're less incentivized to create this educational content, this content that really does help the, I hate the sport, but I don't like calling it that. It's really more of a lifestyle, but let's just call it for the sake of, let's say the sport of hunting, right? Um, these things that further it along, like that's, what's dangerous. People, people have not thought ahead. It's like electric cars, man. Like it doesn't really matter how much you want to cling to your electric cars. Fast forward 20 years, states are mandating that they're going to have to be electric in 15 um, it's coming, right? Like it's coming. It doesn't matter if you want it because demand is going to change. Gas is going to be super expensive. It's going to be hard to find. You're going to be like, dude, this is such a pain in the ass. I don't want to drive a gas car anymore. Right? Like that day will come. Um, it may not be here. It'll be here in our lifetime, but it's not going to be in the next decade, but in two decades, we're probably looking at that. Right? So as if you apply that same analogy over to, to hunting and fishing content, if these guys don't have 
the demand to, to make the money, are they really going to do this anymore? Or are these guys going to go off and be carpenters? Are they going to go, you know, do something else that they can express themselves or, or do they just quit altogether and go get into insurance, which is fine. If you're an insurance, my dad is too. I'm just saying like there's, there's people aren't, people aren't thinking straight and, and they're, they're staying in these places that don't want them. That again, it's the death of a thousand cuts that we're seeing right now. Um, you know, these guys that are getting demonetized on YouTube. Um, yeah. I mean, seek one got back for today, but like that to me would be a big warning blow, you know, that, that there has to be something else out there. So, uh, we're trying to do our part. I mean, we've been challenged people when, when seek one got taken, uh, not taken down, but demonetized, uh, tons of people were like, Oh my God, are you guys going to build YouTube for the outdoors? And I'm like, no, no, because that's like a $50 million project to even build something compatible at like the most minimum viable product level. When you think about it like right. that, like that's not, that's not what we do. We're a social platform where you can share your content. Uh, but we honestly kind of suck at video right now. Like we don't have, <laughs> uh, we have a two minute cap YouTube, like, you know what? I don't even know if it has a cap anymore. Um, like the idea of competing with that is daunting for me. Um, that's, that's not my role in this, but you know, the, the, there are, there are seismic shifts that I think have yet to happen. I get a lot of people are like, what's the future of outdoor media? And I'm like, it's dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I really feel like it's, it's going to, we, uh, and I'm on, I'm on the board of the professional outdoor media association. So I know a lot of writers and uh, a lot of content creators. And I just, I feel like, um, not enough people are really paying attention to what's going on and putting it all together, man. Yeah, I get that for sure. And earlier you mentioned algorithms. There's a documentary on Netflix. I'm sure you've seen it. I can't even remember what it's called, but, um, um, you know which one I'm talking uh, about. I do. It's really good. Um, if you hadn't said that, I would have been able to tell you, but (laughs) now you're like, I don't remember the name and I can't remember it either. But anyways, Uh, is it the social network? No, that's the movie. Uh, shoot. Now we got to look it up, man. Um, uh, sorry. Standby uh, listeners. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, this movie though is talking about the social dilemma. That's what it is. Uh, that's what you're talking Yeah, I, I dude, that's, that's a fantastic. I, I, I really became an advocate for that documentary after I watched it. Um, I think it does a really good job of highlighting some of the concerns around, around the attention span, man. Like we have conversations internally um, about not wanting people to be engaged for too long. We've talked about putting caps on, on the platform uh, each day. Um, we, we worry about, I don't want someone to use our platform just to sit there and scroll mindlessly. Like I want it to enrich you so that you can go out and do what you love to do. Um, but when you watch that, you, you see the hooks that these companies really want to put into you. Um, if anybody's really interested in this and a book nerd, like I am read Facebook, the inside story, and you can see how corrupt this organization is. This is, and you think about where your data is sitting, um, you know, Instagram, uh, there's a similar book called no filter, there, uh, there's a ton of documentation out there around Silicon Valley and, and what they're doing to our brains, man. Um, and, and, uh, if you, if you don't read, just watch that 90 minute documentary, mm-hmm. you know, it'll, it will, it will freak you out. And yeah. I, I, I was already going down the path of, of exiting. Um, you know, I took a cleanse from Instagram about the time that I think that movie came out last year. Um, and I had just started a 90 day cleanse. I deleted the app and stayed logged out for 90 days last year. And now it's, I've deleted it since then, uh, deleted my account. Um, 
but a lot of people were like, Oh, I see you watch the social dilemma. <laughs> but I'm like, man, like you can laugh about it, but there's some dark, like we're kind of messed up as a people because of yeah. these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's mind boggling how, how much influence, whether it doesn't matter the information really, if it's true yeah. or false or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter because these companies are so influential that, whether it's fake or real, they'll, they'll push what they want, you know? Yeah. And, and dude, uh, you know, again, I won't get political and just don't freak out. Um, but, but when, uh, the Facebook book that I was talking about, Facebook, the inside story, they unveiled how that impacted the 2016 election. Um, and, and it, it was unreal. Uh, some of the stuff that's in that book and, and, and how manipulated, our brains are. And, um, you know, Facebook created fake news. I mean, literally, literally had these content farms that would create fake news to rile up whichever political party it went, but it happened on both sides. Um, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's really like sure. we're, we're Joe Rogan says it all the time. It's like, we're living in a freaking movie. Like it, I, <laughs> I don't know. Or, or if you've ever read 1984, like to me, Facebook's over here talking about building the future and the metaverse. And I'm like, there is literally no one I would want to like no one I would further distance myself of building this virtual landscape than you guys. I mean, it's big brother to the extreme. Yeah, absolutely. G, I'll come back else? on your podcast and throw out crazy rants any, any day of the week, guys. Yeah. yeah we'd love we're it. Happy to <laughs> have you. Oh man. Hey, what do you think we, should we wrap up with the questions we always ask first time guests? I yeah, absolutely. Be, uh, we, we got plenty of time. So, Tell us about one of your sort of dream hunts in one of your lifetime, yeah. your bucket list. Yeah, I think it's Dude, that's so weird because I actually literally just wrote down a bucket list today and I was like, I'm going to start documenting this stuff that I keep saying I want to do, yeah. uh, which which I have like weird things on this list. But um, I did I did add a bucket list hunt today and um, I want to I've never elk hunted, which is stupid that I haven't done this, um, but I have three kids and like the point of my life when I could finally afford to do it, I got really bogged down, but I like, that is a, I don't want to say it's bucket list, but it's like one of my next big hunts I'd like to figure out to do. Um, bucket list though. I really want to go up to Alaska and do some hunts with my buddy, Lynn Hoffman. And I don't know what that looks like. He does a lot of sheep hunts. He does caribou. Um, I'd love to do something up there with him. Cause that back country that he, like you, I mean, I know guys out West here do a lot of, uh, elevation and hiking but like what i've seen my friend lynn hoffman and Lacey hoffman the their married couple that guide like what i've seen them do is insane um so that that is a bucket list for me and then i got to fish in alaska three years ago and i did um king salmon and and halibut and it makes me i really want to get back up there and do like a fly fishing and i don't know how to fly fish i'm really terrible at it uh but i like i like the idea of it um and i think like doing it in alaska would be one of the most badass things you could do. So you didn't ask about fishing, but like really hunting with Lynn in Alaska and he's very expensive as a guide. Uh, but I'd love to do that. And I would love to uh, go up and fish up there. Nice. Yeah. We didn't ask about fishing, but we might have to start asking about fishing because <laughs> that's part of it. You know, I mean, dude, you can have some epic fishing. I mean, that trip to Alaska was as epic as anything I've ever done <laughs> hunting wise. I mean, oh, you're, you're, uh, we had to fly on a float plane an hour north of Ketchikan. There's no roads. We had bears coming into the resort. 
Um, you know, we're fishing next to freaking whales. There's America, uh, like, or bald eagles, like flying over your head, carrying off fish. I'm like, this is incre incredible. <laughs> uh, these guys do this every day of their lives. You know, that is cool. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, so second question, uh, is what is your most memorable, your favorite hunting memory? I think is how the question is worded. <laughs> so, so my favorite hunting memory is not like, a, the a biggest buck story or something like that. Um, I had been trying to figure out how to hunt. I had been skunked a couple seasons from when I stopped hunting with the guy who knew, and I started trying to do it myself on public land. I finally got access to a private property, 33 acres tucked into the Appalachian mountains where I'm from. And the, um, immediately everybody's like, you don't sound like you're from Appalachia. Uh, but <laughs> I, it's, it's true. Um, I, I got to hunt there and I had spent all summer scouting this property. I'd been all over this 30 acres, um, hung cameras, decided where I was going to hang my climber, got out there, cut shooting lanes, all this stuff. Um, and I hunted it hard and I, um, I went out and, uh, it, it started raining and I, I thought for sure, I, I didn't know anything about hunts in general. Um, it starts storming when I get there. And I slept in the truck until, cause I was like, it's lightning. I literally can't go climb in the middle, stand up a tree. So I stayed in the truck until daylight and I went out and got in my stand. I'm, I, I'm again, I'm stupid. I'm like, this hunt's ruined. Uh, it never occurred to me that if I'm hunkering down, the deer are also probably hunkering down. Uh, so I do my hike and I sit, um, and I had a scent plan and I'm doing all this stuff. And like, that's usually where I screwed up with scent with whitetail. I didn't know what I was doing. And still to this day get busted, but um, I'm obviously a lot better now. But I I got uh, an eight point came in at 35 yards probably, and uh, after a long staring contest, I ended up getting him, and it was my biggest deer to date. It's still probably the most. I never aged deer or measured them because I don't really care. Um, but like he was a big, like nice mature deer. Um, actually that one I did have aged because I took him to a processor. I quit doing that was the last year I ever had processed in, in 27, 2016. Um, and it was the same summer I found a go wild, but that was like, that was a win. Cause I got an eight point, I got a real deer. I could be <laughs> proud of this. And like, he was big and big bodied and, um, uh, you know, field dressed him on my own. Like I did everything and I didn't have help. I had no help. Uh, again, I took him to a processor, which now I do, I do, I've done all of them since in my garage. Um, but that like, for me, um, the, the win of having gone a couple years without even seeing freaking deer on my hunts. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Like the come together of that has been awesome. Um, you know, I, I've since shot bigger deer. Um, but it, it, to me, like the milestone of getting that buck, uh, he, he hangs, in our conference or in our, uh, lobby, when you walk in, he, cause I think it's cool. Cause I shot him, um, the, the same fall that we were founding the app. And, um, so he's hanging on a bourbon barrel head cause this is Kentucky and we do everything with bourbon. Nice. And so he's hanging in the, he's hanging in the entryway on a bourbon barrel head. Uh, and I'm, I'm just still really like really proud of that deer. Awesome, man. Congratulations. 2016 was a big year for you then, huh? It was. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, the third question is, um, I'm actually looking forward to this question. What is your biggest piece of advice to your listeners, our listeners, anybody in the, in the outdoor industry? Is, is this uh, can I ask a question to a question? Is this like life advice or is this business advice or hunting advice? It can be all three if you want it to okay. be whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want. 
All right. So I'll, I'll give like general advice that, um, I think too many people, I get so many people asking me about how I did go wild. Um, and, and like, I want to do this thing. How did you do it? And, and I think so many people assume that people that have making a, taken a jump to start something, had something figured out that they don't. And this could be elk hunting. This is for me, this is elk hunting, right? This is elk hunting. I should just go and freaking do it and get, find a over the counter tag and do it. Um, but, but in this example, uh, I, I feel like there's barriers, there's knowledge gap, even though I've listened to like untold amounts of Cody Rich's podcast, I could probably go hunt elk. Like I could probably find elk based off of my theoretical knowledge. Um, and I wouldn't suck the worst. I probably would suck. I'm, I'm sure I would suck cause I suck at whitetail and I do that all the time, but like I would be able to try, right? People get in their own head. They put these ideas on a pedestal and, and it's this Holy grail of like one day I'll quit my job to start this company or one day I'll just try to start figuring out how to start this company or one day I'm going to go hunt out West or whatever it is. And you like really the best way to start accomplishing that is to have a, a bucket list list and to start working on towards that doing one action a day. Even, you know, when I, when I started go wild, um, I already knew that I wanted to start a company. I had been trying to figure out what company I wanted to start for two years, uh, probably longer. Cause I got my co-founder here. It's a funny, long story. I won't bore your audience with, uh, the long version, but essentially he and I had tried to start another company, uh, when we were working in advertising together, he got laid off and they found out that we were working on it and I got fired. So since then I had pretty much been working on trying to start something. I spent five years at this other agency and, and really like once I had the, the concept of go wild loosely framed in my head, I just started working on it and it didn't take money. It just took time. Right. So I put my kid to bed. Uh, he was young. I put him to bed and he was 18 months old and at eight o'clock I'd have him asleep. And I would, I would research from eight o'clock until 1am and I would have a Google doc. I've still got these Google docs that I did research on and just reading about stuff. And, and, and this could be hunting. So put your hunting hat on or your start a business hat, um, whatever it is. And I just took notes and I just read and I listened to audiobooks and I listened to podcasts. And over time I understood the, the concept of starting a business. Okay. I need to do a business plan because even if I don't ever use this thing again, it'll help me with, with strategy and things I haven't thought of. Okay. I did my business plan. Okay. I need to take my business plan and put it into a pitch deck because the way I'm going to do this, I'm going to raise money. How do you raise money? Okay. I literally went to Google how to raise money for an idea. I didn't know any of this stuff. Right. So, um, it's all little by little. And I think people get intimidated. Um, it's weird to me, but th this happens because I get, I get a LinkedIn message five times a day like this. People get intimidated by seeing how much I've done with go wild. And they're like, you've raised all this money. And I, how did you do this great thing? And it's like, it happens a little at a time. I didn't wake up one day and right, raise two and a half million dollars. I, I didn't ask anybody for money at first. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, you know, if you're trying to elk hunt, you, you don't just like hop off to, uh, I can't remember the name of that ranch that Joe Rogan hunts or Cam Haynes or any of these guys. You don't just hop off to this place where you've got elk crawling everywhere and it's 25 grand, right? Like that'd be a crazy way to start elk hunting you're probably just going to go drive out somewhere and probably not see elk for five days, but you tried, right? Starting a business is the same way. Um, starting whitetail hunting was the same way for me. Um, you just until like, if you don't just push yourself to try it and accept that you're going to fail, 
um, a, a few times, you're, you're never going to do it, man. So I've, uh, one of my favorite books is Creativity Inc. It's by Ed Catmull, the founder of Pixar. Weird, uh, two truths and a lie about me. If you ever get around to it, like the truth is I am truly obsessed with Pixar. I love the movies. Like it's been a big influence on my life. Um, that book was a big influence on my, on my business, um, my business philosophies. And his whole thing is, you know, there's no such thing as, as, um, failure. It's always, it's always learning, right? You're always getting better. And as long as you're applying that back into what you're trying to do, you're still learning. So the, the short answer to this, the TLDR, as they say, um, is, is my advice is to just stop putting it on a pestle and just go do it. Stop thinking about it and just start taking some action that gets you closer to it than you were yesterday. That's awesome. And I really relate to that because elk hunting is on that pedestal for me as well. Cause I, I'm from Texas, man. And so yeah. the only elk I think that we you have. You guys are, got elk down there, right? Like you have everything. I just assume like if you want to go hunt well, yeah. something, it's like an exotic in, uh, in <laughs> Texas and you can probably do it. Yeah. Like you said, you just got to pay, you know, an ungodly amount of money to go do it, but you can't, there's like 2% of public land, 2% of Texas land is public. And then you have to draw in order to even go hunt on that. So it's like, yeah, it's on, it's, it seems like a difficult thing to do, but like you said, you just got to go do it. So yeah, I'm going to try. I need to take my own advice on the elk side. I need to take (laughs) it on the elk side. I, I actually tried to do it this year and we didn't get drawn. Um, so I'm working on it. I am slowly working on it. Um, my, my buddy Mike that I mentioned is trying to help me mentor into, to my first West out West trip to hunt. So, um, you know, I, I, life always gets in the way, man. I I just, I've learned to just put stuff on the calendar and go for it. If, if it's not on my calendar, I won't do it. So I'll literally put going hunting on my calendar, um, a month in advance and I'll block off two days a week, uh, that I'm going to go during the week, you know, when, when my kids are in school, uh, and just figure it out. So, um, you just got to go for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take that one and, and run with it. So do it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been great. Oh, man, we we could not be more excited to have you on for sure. Thank you so much again. Yep. Uh, well, Brad, we'll start the closeout by letting everybody know where they can find you and uh, where to go, where to find Go Wild and, and uh, that all that good stuff. Yeah, so you you literally will not find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. A lot of people always are like, what's your what's your handle? Uh, I do weirdly enough have a Twitter that I mostly use to re- read news, um, mostly Kentucky basketball news. I mean, I am from Kentucky. We do bleed blue. Um, I'm obsessed. Have been since a uh, young age. Um, the best place to fo- follow me though is uh, on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and I actually post different content. Sometimes I'll post the same stuff, but usually it's catered a little bit one way or another. Um, my LinkedIn stuff is usually business oriented, although I have been challenging myself lately to post more hunting content on there. I, I feel a responsibility to, as a steward of hunting to, to paint a different picture than the, what a lot of people have as a perception. So, um, if you're on LinkedIn, please give me a follow. Please let me know you heard about me uh, on the show. And then, um, Go wild. You can go to mygowild.com slash Brad and it'll tell you how to download, or you can just go to downloadgowild.com. And one cool thing we do is anybody that joins the platform gets a direct message from me 24 hours after you join. That is a robot. It is automated. But if you reply, it is really me that answers. I don't have like some assistant. We're literally a poor startup. I can't afford that. So, uh, that's me responding to you at like 12 PM. So, um, 
join go wild and again download gowild.com you're going to get um if you do this at least this year we're going we're running this promotion through the end of the year um you will get ten dollars to spend for creating an account so it just it automatically pre-populates on your account if you download the app and create an account uh you'll you'll also start to un unlock rewards it's also this goes through the end of the year it's super easy to get a t-shirt right now like i i cannot tell you how many thousands of t-shirts we have shipped I, it's, it's like it's like 10,000 t-shirts we've shipped out this wow. year and it's, it's insane. Um, so it's very easy to get a shirt. If you want to start posting, post some deer from years past. And, um, you know, again, it's the, the rewards program. We put a lot of resources into creating that. So we're really trying to get people excited about it. So again, get in while the getting's good. Cause there's a lot of free stuff you rack up quick, including that $10 gift card. So download gowild.com, create an account. You'll get a DM. Let me know you heard about me on the show and, um, we'll love to chat. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brad. Uh, we'll looking forward to uh, the next podcast we have together. Yeah. Thanks, Nick and Drew. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, to our listeners, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we are going to head out now. Uh, go to uh, fallobsession.com. That's the hub. That's where you can find everything from our podcast to our store to um, recipes, all kinds of articles on gear and uh, educational articles. So go there to check us out. Uh, we are still on all the other social media outlets. <laughs> no judgment. Don't hate us, Brad. <laughs> no, um, no judgment. Yeah. I get it. But we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, maybe. I know me and Drew are on LinkedIn. Uh, Drew LinkedIn knows. And Go Wild. <laughs> we yeah. are on Go Wild as well. Me and Drew are both on Go Wild. So. Uh, go check us out on all the above. Um, again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we try to release a podcast every single Monday morning. We do our best. Um, and if you guys have any suggestions or any uh, guests that you want on our podcast, go to followobsession.com slash podcast. There is a form at the bottom of that page where you can submit suggestions or guests who we should reach out to, and we will do our best to reach out to them. Um, other than that, I don't think we have anything else. So, uh, thank you guys very much for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast. We'll see you later.